What's up, everybody? Hardest part of the ring. Deer back again with a very, as always, a very special episode for you guys this week. You know, I really, really enjoyed reviewing uh, WrestleMania 17 last week. It was a, a huge show in the history of wrestling, a huge show in the history of my personal wrestling fandom so that kind of tilted my mind towards well okay i'm not going to be reviewing this era of wwf forever what other eras of wrestling can i take a look back on what other eras of wrestling do i remember enjoying growing up and immediately what sprung to mind was ring of honor roh was pretty much my introduction to independent wrestling. I probably started watching maybe 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. Uh, Takeshi Morishima was the world champion and he had lost it to Nigel McGuinness, who you may know from commentary in NXT. But Nigel McGuinness went on to have this huge, long title reign, having banger after banger every single night. He pretty much established what a champion could be and around the title matches you had you know the tag teams you had the briscoes you had kevin steen and el generico you had there's so many there's probably so many teams and wrestlers that i have forgotten at this point because i basically watched as you as these shows were coming out you know 10 12 13 years ago whatever it was i was following ring of honor and it was so so amazing like this was really my introduction to like epic matches, you know what I mean? Because I grew up during the Attitude Era where in-ring wrestling was by no means the focal point at all. It was all about characters. It was all about storylines. It was all, you know, spectacle and fireworks and fire and gaze and whatever, you know, all of that stuff that the WWF or WWE was putting out there. It, that, that's what my impression of wrestling was. That's what my vision of what pro wrestling was. And then I, you know, the, the WWE kind of migrates away from the Attitude Era stuff into the Ruthless Aggression stuff, which is great in itself. I love that era of wrestling or of, of WWE, but it was completely different than what a company like Ring of Honor was doing. I, I, I tune into Ring of Honor, I find it online, and it's just like, a pace that I had never seen before because I, I also had never seen like the cruiserweight division in WCW. I wasn't an ECW guy. And these are like promotions and eras where you might see matches like this. You might see all these, this, these moves and these sequences and this style of match. You may have, I'm not saying ring of honor is the first company that's ever done this, but to me, me personally, this is the first time that I've laid eyes on something like this. And it just captivated me immediately. The first match I watched, I don't even remember, I don't remember what show. I don't even completely remember who was in the match, but I remember it was a fatal four-way. It had Matt Seidel. It had Claudio Castagnoli, aka Cesaro. It had some guy in a mask. It was not El Generico. I think it was Jigsaw, maybe. Um, and some other guy, I don't remember, but the point is like, you have all this talent that I had, I, I didn't know any of these guys at the time, but I was still completely 
captivated by what they were doing and that shows a lot you could take guys that i have no idea who they are i have no idea what they stand for or what their personalities are but i am completely invested in what they're doing and that is what ring of honor at his peak was absolutely exceptional at doing it got it got you invested in the product you know champions at this time the ring of honor belt the the the, the championships and ring of honor weren't necessarily hot potatoed when you had a champion, that guy was a champion, and you had to really, really take it from him. So there were stakes always involved in this promotion. It felt legitimate. It felt like a legitimate passion, and like a like they were tied to this company. Like they they were all in this together. It was very reminiscent of ECW, which makes sense because it's tied to Philadelphia. And after ECW kind of went defunct, I, I guess this kind of maybe took its place in a lot of people's hearts. But people were really, really invested in this promotion, and I was too. Um, I was a little late to the game, but that's why we're here. That's why we're here to revisit all that stuff, and I could not be more excited to do that. I mean, if, if, if you don't want to take my personal opinion about the matter, just look at the roster that they had. <clears throat> let, me, let, let me list off some names for you, just in case you're confused as to if these guys ended up being successful or not. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Seth Rollins, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, Austin Aries, CM Punk, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. Dude, I could I could go on and on about the stacked roster that they had. It was incredible. Like that they just stumbled upon this roster of incredible talent and they were able to put on amazing show after amazing show for a very very long time. Nowadays, it's kind of, I, I honestly don't follow Ring of Honor. I really haven't followed it probably since they went to HDNet, which was like in 2009, 2010, something like that. But that the like mid 2000s to late 2000s era of Ring of Honor was absolutely incredible. And I absolutely want to go revisit those shows. And not, not only because I want to revisit the shows that I've watched, but I also think I have yet to see a good chunk of what made Ring of Honor so great. Because like I said, 2006, 2007 is when I started. But that completely misses like the CM Punk era, the Samoa, like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, all those guys were already in TNA at that point. Homicide was in TNA. It's probably guys I'm not even aware of that were there. Paul London. I, 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 there's so many guys that I kind of miss that era. And I've always wanted to to go back and watch and yeah i've seen a few matches here and there like as standalone matches but nothing compares to kind of like watching the build up to certain things and watching the chronological order of events and seeing how they unfold and how you know those events tell the story as they are told in that order so basically what i want to do here is i want to start right from the beginning the era of honor begins is ring of honor's first ever show which took place on february 23rd 2002 and just like a bingo hall in philadelphia man it was <laughs> I've, I've, i i have actually seen this show before it's probably been like 10 years or so but um it is not the ring of honor that people think of it is very i mean it understandably so it's an independent promotions first ever show but they got some pretty big names on here i mean they got eddie guerrero 
versus super crazy. That is that that itself is huge for a company at the size that it was at the time. And then you know in their main event they have Brian Danielson versus Christopher Daniels versus Loki. Now these guys weren't you know the stars that they ended up being at this time, but they're still very well known on the independent circuit and pretty much the kings of the indies at this point. So it's still a very huge get for this company at this point. Um, so yeah, the era of honor begins their first ever show. We're going to take a look at it and, uh, but it should be a fun, very fun beginning of this journey that we're going to go through, going through every single show that ring of honor has put out. I'll probably go until I don't want to. That's generally how it works, right? But definitely like at least like probably like the the 2000s, probably into the late 2000s. And then uh, we'll kind of recess there, but should be fun. Should be fun. So the show opens up with a montage. So (laughs) basically it's like, um, you know, gives the Ring of Honor logo or whatever. And then it just cuts to a montage of, I guess, the show itself that we're about to watch. But it's just a montage of all the uh, entrances that the people make during the show. It's basically showing all of the people that are going to be on the show and um, pretty much giving you a taste of what you're going to be seeing as you watch these matches. And it was very, I mean, this is 2002. So it's, it's 2002 and it was like a, a smaller company. So it's nowhere near the uh, <laughs> the pageantry or the the cinematic nature that you would see in a WWE promo. But it's still... I mean, for some reason, this got me so hyped, dude. I mean, it was like a, like a normal like PowerPoint montage, but it basically showed you everybody. It had some music behind it, and some of the guys that came out, man. I mean, Eddie Guerrero and Super Crazy, two huge names, especially at the time, and it's incredible that they were able to uh, to land those guys. But you also have guys like Christopher Daniels, Dan or, uh, Daniel Bryan, or Brian Danielson. Low key, amazing red, Steve Carino. I mean, there's these guys that were young at the time, and there's just something about seeing these guys when they're young and when they're their most hungriest, and just knowing like the stars that they would become. It was, it's awesome to watch, dude, and to see them in their early stages. It's uh, very, very interesting. So, that's basically how the show opens up, which is pretty much showing everybody that's going to be on the show. Um, and it cuts to the streets, I guess, right outside the uh, the venue that they're doing the show in downtown Philly. This is pretty much reinforcing that uh, ROH is kind of trying to fill the void of what ECW left when it went out of business. Because ROH was started by Rob Feinstein, who was the owner of a video production company. And once ECW folded, they needed another company to basically produce and sell dvds and vhs's of their shows and with ecw gone obviously can't produce those shows so they just decided to start their own company and called it ring of honor and basically rf video which is the company name is basically following uh, a tag team called the hit squad not the hit squad the hit squad now i don't know what ended up becoming of these guys but i don't think they made it too big but they're pretty entertaining um just a bunch of like new york assholes or boston i don't even know new york boston whatever they are two pretty big dudes um pretty much walk in the streets they walk up to a bus which i guess is where a lot of people that uh i guess people 
rode that bus from New York to Philly to watch this show. So they're basically hyping up all the fans on the bus, getting them pumped to see the show. And they're really enforcing that, hey, you guys sick of this sports entertainment shit? And they're all like, yeah, it was kind of a weird little deal here. Um, but it's definitely a point where w- it reinforces the point where, you know, WWF is becoming kind of stale at this point. And a lot of people are seeking new avenues to watch their wrestling. And that's kind of where ROH fell so perfectly into a lot of people's criteria as far as pro wrestling goes. It was different. It was, um, as they were saying, it, it was new wave. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just something different. It was something that um, it was kind of akin to ECW, but it was more, um, it was less blood guts. And it was more based on the pro wrestling itself, which is a very um, foreign concept in this period of time. Because this is right off the heels of the Attitude Era. So when people think wrestling in general, they think of Stone Cold opening beers and the rock raising his eyebrow and undertaker disembalming people like they, that's what they think of when they think of wrestling. So ring of honor is kind of here to change the narrative as far as that is concerned and try to be the antithesis of what people think pro wrestling is and to try to create their own product. So pretty cool to see as kind of how they open the show with uh, the hit squad walking around the streets, hyping their fans up. Um, but it's such like a funny, such a funny cut because you have the hit squad, which are these huge dudes. These like, they sound like they're New Yorkers. Let's just say they're New Yorkers for the sake of it. These two huge New York dudes, like Puerto Rican or something, just big, stiff, strong, brooding dudes. And then it just quick cuts to the show where a team is making their entrance called the Christopher Street Connection, who... If you're familiar with New York, is where all the gays hang out. And this is 2002, okay? Now, I don't know if these guys are actually gay. The Christopher the Christopher Street connection. I don't know if these guys are legitimately gay. But the way that they're dressed and the way they come out is like, you took two straight guys and was like, hey, we need you to be gay for this show. Do something, make yourself look gay in the most stereotypical way possible. They're, they come out to the fucking village people, YMCA, as their entrance music. Because, of course, why wouldn't they? They're both wearing boas, like colorful pink and blue boas. They got uh, fucking rainbows on their chest, pink sunglasses. It's It's, man, what a time 2002 was, but... They basically come out, so to speak, again to YMCA. They're being very flamboyant, very over the top. And the commentators are immediately putting them over as basically the opposite of what Ring of Honor stands for and what they intend to do as far as producing a wrestling company. They, they're not about gimmicks. They're not about sports entertainment. They're not about flashy characters. They're about pro wrestling. And now you have the Christopher Street Connection coming out here wearing sparkles and flames and whatever the fuck. And they're going around yelling at the fans. The fans hate it because 2002, right? Gays. And they're like one of the they're like they're like blowing kisses to the male fans and of course that gets a lot of heat the com- the commentators here are just cracking me up man because it just shows what a different time this was 
one of the guys kisses one of the male fans sitting ringside and he goes, the commentator goes, he kissed a fan, a male fan. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, dude. The, ch- the crowd starts chanting faggot. Of course they do because it's Philadelphia. Then one of the guys grabs a mic and one of the commentators goes, yeah, he looks very comfortable with a mic in front of his mouth. Like, oh, <laughs> It was pretty funny, but it was very like, like if Ring of Honor wants to go revisit how they started, if they want to revisit their first match, it's going to be pretty tough for them to do that. Or they might want to just do it without audio and maybe just have it with a music bed behind it. Because, man, a lot of homophobia here. Wow. Um, But anyways, either way. But it's a different time, so who gives a shit? But it's clear what they're doing here, right? They're basically starting the show by throwing out these flashy characters, these gimmicks, and basically establishing that that is not what Ring of Honor is going to be about because Christopher Street Connection gets on the mic. They start shitting on all the fans, and they say, Ring of Honor is going to stand for Ring of Homosexuals, and they start making out in the ring to a tremendous round of booze. Everyone is horrified in the in the building. And that's when the Hit Squad comes in to make the save. Save us from this gayness, the Hit Squad. Um, <laughs> so we got a little impromptu match here, quote unquote. We have the Hit Squad versus the Connection. Obviously, the Hit Squad squashes these homos and... Sorry. Um, squashes the, this team here. And um, pretty short squash match. They ended up, end up winning with a burning hammer. Um, even though it was pretty quick, it was like very hard hitting. Like it was weirdly stiff. Um, but I guess they want to show what they're all about. They might as well do it in that first match. And they might as well just be really, really aggressive about it if they really want to get that point over. So the match served its purpose. This whole segment served its purpose. And then after the match... So the gay guys, that, I mean, sorry, the Christopher Street Connection has like a valet with them, just some chick in a weird short skirt. After the match, the guys get beat. The chick gets back in the ring and tries to give one of the hit squad guys a low blow. But the other hit squad guy stops her. And then the commentator yells, yeah, stop that slut. And then the hit squad power bombs her through a table. Wrestling. Um... <laughs> Very, very interesting to go back and look at this. But the Hit Squad's trying to establish themselves as uh, big-name guys. And like I said, I had, I had not heard of them until this. So we'll see uh, We'll see how their career tra- trajectory unfolds. Um, but after that, we have the first official match. We have Jay Briscoe versus Amazing Red. Now, right off the bat, I, I just want to say I like how they kind of formatted this first show homophobia aside um that first segment and match really established that you know this company is not going to be about the gimmicks it's going to be about the pro wrestling and not only can they talk the talk about that concept but they walk the walk with this match jay briscoe versus amazing red definitely an awesome match here very young amazing red and a very young jay briscoe especially jay briscoe man dude because you see these guys now. I think they're still in Ring of Honor, right? But they got, like, 
crazy gray hair and big beards and they're just like psychopaths at this point with all the brain damage that mark has gotten and all that shit like it's very very weird to see them so young and so fresh at this point and you know jay is first of all it's weird that jay is wrestling as a singles um but it's also weird that he's kind of he has like this traditional wrestling singlet on so like that's kind of the style i guess he's trying to trying to uh put forward for himself i don't know if both of them do that as a team as well um but interesting to see that jay briscoe in a wrestling singlet and um but yeah both of these guys are according to the commentators both these guys are in their teens which is crazy it's really cool to see amazing red so early in his career and how talented he was even back then in 2002 because really amazing red is kind of a guy who was a pioneer of this indie style that we see nowadays but you know, not the indie style of, you know, no selling moves or <laughs> spamming finishers. Not that indie style. I mean, just the general high flying, high impact style. Amazing Red was really a pioneer for that style. And it's cool to see him early on in his career doing what he does so well. As far as the match itself, really, really good match. It started out with some like, you know, traditional amateur wrestling, chain wrestling type stuff. Crowd is really into it because this is a time period where you don't really see a lot of that, you know, traditional wrestling and counter wrestling type stuff. But then they ramp it up real quick with a lot of high flying moves and uh, high impact stuff. Jay, it's like a really sick looking muscle buster. It's like a muscle buster, but he just falls right on his ass. And Amazing Red just like whiplashes his neck on Jay's shoulders. It was a really gnarly looking move, but that did not. He was unable to capitalize. That didn't finish the match. There was a one really awesome sequence in this match where Jay is going for the Jay Driller, which is like a butterfly pile driver. And uh, so he goes for it. He has Red up, but Red counters into a backdrop with his arms like still clasped, like in that butterfly, you know, whatever. And then like the butterfly grip. But Amazing Red backdrops Jay so that he's on top of him. So the ref starts counting, but then Jay bridges out of it, still keeping his hands clasped. Gets Red back up for the Jay Driller, but then Red fights out of it, gets on the Jay's shoulders, but then Jay like maneuvers him back into the butterfly position and just fucking drills him with a sick looking pile driver. That's just awesome. Like, it's like flashy and it's like crazy to see, but it's still, there's still like the struggle there. There's a struggle there that's like two guys, it's not two guys collaborating to create a cool looking move. It's one guy trying to knock another guy out, and the other guy is trying to prevent himself from getting knocked out. Foreign concept, right? But love that sequence there, and that's really the type of stuff that I like to see in pro wrestling. Um, like true, true, like a true, true struggle. I think it's a lost art, and then an art that Amazing Red did so well. But the match comes to an end when uh, Jay. Goes for a senton off the top rope, but misses. Red immediately gets up, hits him with the red alert, which is like a phoenix splash leg drop type deal, and then hits him with another shooting star press right off the mat, which both those moves are like unheard of at this time. Crazy, crazy, and he does it so smoothly. Um, Amazing Red gets the win here with that shooting star press. Both guys are struggling to get up, really putting over how this type of style is hard-hitting. It's, uh, it's what true pro wrestling is. They both struggle to get to their feet, shake hands, because the H stands for honor. 
not homosexuals like the other guy I mentioned earlier, but <laughs> um, good stuff here. Awesome stuff. And it was a great way to set the tone for what this company is going to put forward in the future. Then after that, it cuts to uh, a few promos. You have a few from Low Key and Homicide, which there was a lot of these over the course of the show, like kind of just one camera pointed at a guy and they're, they're like just cutting a promo, basically establishing who they are and kind of what their character is. And honestly, for the most part, they were pretty awful. But like they were like recorded in a hallway, like a crowded hallway. People are talking in the background. It was just low budget. I get it. But a lot of them were pretty, pretty lackluster. But th- these ones from Homicide and Loki were pretty solid. Definitely um, two believable fighters here. Two, uh, two pretty intimidating looking guys. So... Uh, good stuff from Homicide and Loki here, which uh, they'll both be included later in the show. But the next match is Scoot Andrews versus Xavier. Two guys who I really don't know much about. Um, apparently, so this is 2002, right? Apparently, both of these guys had big years in 2001 on the indies, wrestling on a national scale. Um, and they're basically being built as two up-and-comers and future stars of this company. So they're facing each other here to see, you know, who has the momentum and who's really going to kind of rise to the top here. I know Xavier ends up you know, being a world champion in Ring of Honor at some point, but I'm not really sure how that unfolds or, you know, how long he lasts. But I don't think he lasts very long. And Scoot Andrews, I mean, I haven't heard of until now, so I don't know what happened to him after this. But apparently he calls himself the Black Nature Boy. He comes out to like a rap remix of Ric Flair's theme music. So interesting. Very interesting. Um, There's actually a pretty solid match here. The thing I like about this is that, you know, it's indie wrestling for sure. Um, But it's not like a spot fest. It's not, you know, pandering to the crowd. It's not going for Instagram clips. It's 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 indie, but it's still wrestling. You know, there's a heel and there's a face. There's they're selling both these guys, especially Xavier, because he was on the uh, on the defense. Most of this match, he was uh, he was selling very well. But there was one spot in the match where Xavier went for a. uh, for like a, I don't know if he's going for a spine buster or a back body drop, but what ended up occurring was like kind of a, a combination of the two, which is not good because he ended up dropping Scoot Andrews right on his fucking head, which looked really gnarly. Lucky that Scoot was okay. He was able to finish the match. He ended up giving him like a really, really stiff looking Alabama slam like right after it. So I don't know if that was a receipt or what, but man. That botch was fucking brutal, dude. There was one point where uh, Scoot Andrews hits his finisher, which is like a like a sit a sit out tombstone, basically. And um, he goes for the cover, but Xavier manages to like sl- like his foot's under the bottom rope, just out of luck. And then he rolls out of the ring, and Scoot Andrews like is having a hard time getting him back in the ring because he's this dead weight. Xavier's toast, and he gets him back in the ring. Xavier starts to fight back, but as he's fighting back, he, like, clutches his neck like he's still selling the neck that he just got pile-driven into the mat, right? Little things like that that these guys did during this match that uh, made it really enjoyable. So, good stuff by these guys. Ultimately, Xavier ends up getting a win, getting a roll-up win as Scoot Andrews is arguing with the ref. So, it gets kind of a uh, out-of-nowhere win here, putting over that Scoot Andrews is, like, you know, he's the more experienced wrestler but xavier got the better of him on this night 
So yeah, pretty good match here. After that, we have a tag match. We have the Brooklyn Knights, who are, uh, nah, they're jobbers. Who cares what their names are? Versus the Natural Born Sinners, which is a team of Homicide and Boogaloo. Uh, Homicide, obviously, I'm very familiar with between his work in TNA. And he was also, he ended up being a really big star in Ring of Honor. So it's really cool to see him early in his career. Boogaloo, I'm not sure. You know, what What happened to him? I don't know how long this team lasted, but nonetheless, Boogaloo and Homicide Boogaloo. The fuck kind of name is that? But they both come out and they're wearing um, fucking nails, uh, jail, like orange jail suits. I don't know why nails is the first thing that comes to mind when I think of that, but uh, <laughs> it's a little gimmicky here, but nothing wrong with a little color, I guess, to make yourself stick out. But they're really building these guys up as two guys from the ghetto who... Uh, Wrestling is pretty much all they have at this point. Without wrestling, they'd have nothing. So that's kind of the premise here is their desperation to be successful here in Ring of Honor. And they're really just kicking the shit out of the Brooklyn Knights. Um, But the Brooklyn Knights do get a little bit of offense, but they end up actually uh, getting beat with rubber chickens. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, that's actually, that's the finish here. The natural born sinners whip out some rubber chickens and beat the shit out of the Brooklyn Knights getting disqualified. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so the story is, so previously they had a little promo earlier in the show where they were like walking around the ghetto and there was like buildings that had been, you know, knocked down and whatnot. And homicide found a rubber chicken on the ground, which I guess is where his old house used to be or something along those lines. So now that's like the symbolism there. Ends up getting them disqualified in this match. But Boogaloo and Homicide are none too pleased with the referee here. So uh, they do the reasonable thing and uh, stab him with a spike. If you ask me, rubber chicken to spike is a bit of an escalation. But nonetheless, uh, so they lose via disqualification by uh, rubber chicken smacks and then stab the ref after the match. Anyways... ridiculous here but it's pretty entertaining if i have to be honest but the best part so they get disqualified the sinners get disqualified and they play the brooklyn knights music because they won right and their theme music is the fucking karate kid never gonna let you down music which is cheesy as hell and i love it but that music's playing and while the music's playing is when the stabbing happens. So they're like, they homicide pummels him with a spike, like in the shoulder. And then he starts digging into his head. Like he has him by the throat and he's like digging into his head with the spike. And while all this is happening, blood's gushing out of his head. He hits him with the cop killer, drops him on his neck. While all of this is happening, all you hear in the background is, you're the best around. Nothing's ever gonna let you down. Like, it's, are you fucking kidding me? Hilarious. I don't know if that was meant to be as funny as it was, but it made me laugh. Then after that, we have a six-way match. Now, <laughs> with this match, I was very confused whether or not this was a tag match or not. And I think the commentators were confused as well. Um, because, so we have one group of three all came out together. You have uh, Brian XL, Chris Devine, and Quiet Storm. Three guys I've never heard of, but basically they all came out together. 
So I'm like, okay, here's here's a team. It's gonna be a six man tag match. But then we have two other guys come out, Jose Maximo and Joel Maximo and Amazing Red. Now, apparently all these guys were trained by Mikey Whipwreck, who is the, by the way, is the special guest referee for this match. But you have three guys on one corner, three guys in the other corner, two guys start in the ring, and the other two get on the apron. Now, that sounds like a tag match, right? Am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. But that looks like a tag match. Nonetheless, this match is very uh, it's very fast-paced, very spot-heavy, but uh, it's pretty entertaining. A little sloppy at times, but this match just set out to uh, showcase six guys that the fans might not have otherwise known, other than Amazing Red. I mean, Amazing Red wrestled earlier in this show already, so he's pulling double duty tonight. But the other five guys are relatively unknown to uh, most of the audience, so it's kind of just a showcase of what they can do here. Um, but turns out it's just a six-way singles match. So it's every man for themselves. I mean, the teams kind of stick together for like half the match. Then it all breaks down and people start getting eliminated left and right. It's an, it's an elimination match, by the way, as well. The final two comes down to Quiet Storm and Jose Maximo. Quiet Storm looks like Chad Gable's doppelganger. And uh, Jose Maximo looks like a budget super crazy. Um, pretty fun stuff here, though. Quiet Storm ends up getting the win here. With like a wheelbarrow face buster type move. Yeah, like I said, pretty good match here. They did a little angle later in the show where they basically set up a, a three-way tag team match for the next show. So I guess these guys are going to stick together a little longer, which is an interesting concept considering they're all uh, under the same school. And um, they actually continued with that theme in uh, a match later on in the show. You had a tag team match between... Michael Shane and Oz versus Spanky and Ikea Loa. So Michael Shane is Shawn Michaels' cousin, and Spanky is Brian Kendrick, who is, as all of you know, he had a big run in WWE. Actually, he's still there, working with 205 Live, but um, one of the biggest names that came out of his school other than Daniel Bryan. But all four of these guys in this tag match actually... Uh, were trained by Shawn Michaels and wrestled for the Texas Wrestling Academy, uh, which they're plugging here. Um, so all these guys, like in the previous match, all under the same school, all students in the same class. So interesting how they did that. Um, this match is pretty good as well. The premise here was that whoever wins this match gets a contract with Ring of Honor. Now, it was like, it's not the team that wins, it's whoever gets the pinfall, which is interesting. Like, why? That, that wouldn't give you incentive to work as a team. If only one guy gets a contract, but... Whatever. Um, I mean, right out of the gates, dude. Spanky comes out, <laughs> genie in a bottle, and the match starts, and he's just full of personality. Like, it makes me wonder why WWE never really capitalized on him as much as I believe he deserved. I think he had so much charisma, and so much of it was untapped in WWE. But the match wasn't too terrible. But um, it really thrived when Spanky and Michael Shane were in there. I think the other two guys kind of dragged it down a little bit. Oz and Ikea or whatever his fucking name was. <laughs> I don't think it was Ikea. It was some Hawaiian name. But Spanky was the star of this match for sure. I think that's the uh, the main takeaway here. Spanky ends up getting the win here, which is no shock considering he's at the time he's the biggest name out of these four. And he goes on to skyrocket way, way above these guys. So... Cool to see a young Brian Kendrick here 
we've, we've all heard about his issues as far as like immaturity and his how crazy he was like early in his career with WWE and even before that. But it's it's good to see the performer that he's become and the person that he's become nowadays. He's a veteran in the ring and uh, still still putting on good matches even in 2020. So. Got a lot of love for Brian Kendrick, and it was cool to see him in his early days here in Ring of Honor. After that, you have uh, <laughs> Prince Nana versus Towel Boy. Now, in case you were wondering, you might be thinking Prince Nana, Towel Boy, those sound like gimmicks to me. Well, no, no, no. You have the commentators are constantly screaming at you that this is not a gimmick. This is who they are. So. I don't know. Gimmicks are okay. Like, they're so, like, scared of, like, being similar to WWE with gimmicks that they're like, no, 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 this isn't just a character. It's, it's, it's who he is. Like, okay, you're doing the same thing. But either way, little squash match here. Tao Boy is like, I don't know if he started out as a wrestler and adopted this character or if he started out as a Tao Boy and became a wrestler, but... They showed him earlier in the show, like, wiping down the ropes with the towel, and he's, like, sprinting from one corner to the other with a towel over the ropes to kind of dry him off. I guess that's a normal thing you see in wrestling promotions, but the crowd, <laughs> like, he would go from one corner to the other, and they would go, whoa, whoa, do that little deal, so it was kind of funny, but versus Prince Nana, who, if I remember correctly, I think he's more prominent as a manager in his Ring of Honor career, but I could be wrong. I haven't seen him wrestle that much, but he seems like a big, powerful dude. He had a lot of like uh, Taz-like suplexes in there. It was a very quick match. It's probably less than a minute, but Prince Nana gets the win here, and uh, definitely uh, an entertaining-looking character and a big, big dude. So, hope to see him more in these future shows that I take a look at. And boy, howdy! After that, we have Eddie Guerrero versus Super Crazy, two ECW originals returning to Philadelphia in front of what might as well be an ECW crowd. Pretty cool moment here. Um, this period, Eddie Guerrero was still kind of fighting his demons a little bit, and if you didn't know that, don't worry. The commentators were going to remind you every five seconds of it. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, guys, we get it. We got it. We heard you. But still a really good match. Kind of a slow start to it, and uh, the, match, the match as a whole actually was, had a pretty methodical pace to it, but when these guys turned it on, they turned it on. They were silky smooth when they needed to be smooth. The lucha stuff was great. The wrestling stuff was great. The, the brawling was great. These two had great, great chemistry together. I guess they had wrestled a few times in Puerto Rico, but on in mainland United States, apparently this is the first time they ever faced each other, which is surprising considering they're in ECW together, which... I guess that maybe they weren't in ECW together for a long time, maybe. But you wouldn't know it. These two had great chemistry. And uh, yeah, solid match here. And ultimately, super crazy. It ends up getting the upset win over Eddie with a little like small package deal. And um, and then afterwards, Eddie Guerrero cuts a promo. He's like basically saying that Ring of Honor is where he wants to be. Uh, he appreciates that everyone around here is hungry. And it's not about angles or money. It's about honor. And he says that Ring of Honor is where he wants to be. And then he leaves, like, immediately after, I think. I don't know. I know he was in WWE, like, three months after this, so take it what you will. But it's kind of interesting to think, like, if he would have stayed longer, you know, to face guys like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and CM Punk and stuff like that. I think he actually did. Actually, you know what? If, if I remember correctly, I think he did end up facing CM Punk. Maybe it wasn't Ring of Honor, but it was definitely in some promotion. There's a little hidden gem out there if you give it a YouTube 
definitely interesting to see those two um, having a match together. But Eddie Guerrero, super crazy. Good stuff from both these guys. Which brings us to our main event. It is a triple threat match. And it is Loki versus Christopher Daniels versus Brian Danielson. Hoo-hoo, doggy. This shit was fire. I uh, I actually I thought this was for the ROH title, but I guess they didn't introduce that until a little bit later. I might, I might have even said that earlier. I don't remember. But non-title match, but still an awesome match and definitely set the tone for what Ring of Honor is going to be in the future. A lot of stuff earlier, you know, you saw like Eddie Guerrero and the Hit Squad and fucking bunch of random the Quiet Storm or whoever the fuck. Solid matches. They're pretty talented in certain ways but they didn't really stick with ring of honor through its high times you know what i mean there's a lot of guys on this show that got showcased um whether it's from guys that were in Shawn michaels school or mikey whipwreck school or guys that were local to the northeast eastern coast area only a select amount of guys on this show um actually went on to be successful in this promotion and all three of these guys you could say we're very, very successful. I mean, if there's a Mount Rushmore for Ring of Honor, Brian Danielson's definitely on it. I don't know if Lowkey or Christopher Daniels are, but you can make an argument for sure. But yeah, the match itself was amazing. I mean, all three of these guys, even though they're early in their careers, are very mature in how they uh, how they work a match. I mean, Daniel Bryan, first of all, or Brian Danielson, whatever. This dude does not fucking age. Holy hell. He looks exactly the same as he does damn near 20 years later. Christopher Daniels and Loki, same thing, dude. None of these guys age. Now that I'm thinking about it, because you see Christopher Daniels in AEW, and we've seen Loki in MLW, and he was in Impact pretty recently, too. All these guys are still going at it and at a pretty high level, which is insane. And they've only gotten better since then, but... This triple threat match right here was awesome. I guess Daniels was more or less the heel in this match, so you saw a lot of teaming between Loki and Daniel Bryan. You saw you saw a lot of martial arts kicks between those two in uh in Loki and Daniel Bryan, and you saw more mat wrestling from Christopher Daniels. You saw they all hit all their high spots, they all hit their uh their greatest hits, but at the time they weren't greatest hits. They were moves that a lot of people had never seen before. So a really good showcase of these three guys. At the end of the day, Loki gets the win with the key crusher. Um, yeah, man, awesome stuff. I forget actually who wins the title. Is it isn't it Loki? I don't know when that title match happens. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be within the next few events. But whatever the case may be, awesome match, an awesome show in general, man. I mean, like I said. This is a period of time where WWE is getting kind of stale and a lot of people are looking for alternatives. You know, ECW, out of business. WCW, out of business. WWE is the only game in town now and they've kind of laid off the gas pedal a little bit since there's no competition. And as a result, the product has tapered off and isn't as, you know, groundbreaking or as entertaining as it once was. So a lot of people are looking for that alternative and ring of honor stepped into that uh that alternative that people were seeking kind of an offset of what ecw was is what ring of honor was from the beginning and still kind of built upon and created its own brand 
And I know from all of the shows that I've seen, like in the mid late 2000s, that Ring of Honor is a special, special promotion. And I say that while I've missed arguably some of the the best stuff. I mean, I've seen a lot of the CM Punk Samoa Joe stuff. I've seen a lot of the Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness stuff. Um, but there's so much, man. Homicide is champion. You have Samoa Joe and Necro Butcher. You got Undisputed Era is there at a certain point. Obviously not under that name. But and then you got like Kenny Omega's beginning was in Ring of Honor. A lot of people forget that. Just so much talent came out of this promotion. And so many awesome storylines and matches occurred under that umbrella. And I very much look forward to going through this journey through Ring of Honor, through its through its great times. And um, yeah, man, it should be fun. Thank you guys once again for tuning in. I'm Hart.